Hello everyone, welcome to the Venture Property Podcast and thank you so much for listening. I know that you're all very busy people and I really am very happy that you take the time to to plug in your earbuds or listen to this on the desktop when you're at work or whatever. Um, Thank you for that. Today we are sponsored by the Real Estate Slackers, which is a free Slack group which I created with John Corey because I believe that everybody needs a bit of JC in their lives. And you can get access to this at realestateslackers.com. If you fill in that form, it's completely free. Then I'll add you to the group and we have lots of different discussions going on. As you know, this month I've been interviewing some really interesting people. And today is absolutely no exception. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview with today's guest. Today I have Johnny Britton from Land Insight. How are you doing today, Johnny? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I can, can I just say that I do also agree that everyone needs a bit of JC in their life. I've, I've been through that experience. I think he's a, a wonderful guy. Oh, you're after the brownie point straight away. You're going to do well on this podcast, aren't you? He's been, he was really helpful in our journey. Yeah. I think that's the thing with John, isn't it? He's, he's very, very good at spotting what you need and what you're actually really good at and then connecting all of those things up. Yeah, he's, he's challenging. He challenges you, but in a very good manner with the best intentions. Yeah. Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible in, um, in my sort of property journey, property career. Um, and one of those people that I'm so glad that I can call upon whenever I need to. Yeah, I agree. Great, great bloke. Um, so we definitely have that in common. We also have a shared love of a football manager, which we might go into at some point, but don't get me started on that <laughs> because I will literally talk about that, that man, Rafa Benitez, all day. And that's not why the people are here. I know why you created Land Insight, but for the audience who don't know, why don't you explain how and why this came about? Okay, sure. So it actually came about when my co-founder got into or interested in self-building. Uh, he was, he's a software engineer by trade and was living in Shoreditch, which is a trendy part of London, but a little bit kind of edgy and raw. And this was kind of a few, seven or eight years ago, or five years ago, I can't remember what it was. Um, and he started getting curious about, um, about the potential of putting his own house on some of the, the underused spaces that he could see all around him. And being an engineer, builds things all day with software, I wondered if he could kind of do it the same thing, but with actual bricks and uh, building. Uh, so he, he started looking at some of these sites in more detail and, and started asking some really kind of fundamental basic questions that um, he couldn't get an answer to. So when he's looking at a piece of land, he was asking, well, who, who owns this piece of land? And then... Uh, found that difficult to find out um, and then also started thinking okay well if I knew who owned that land um, what, what would I how would I know what I could put on that land what the development opportunity is hmm. um, and he really just started kind of thinking well wait a minute we're in a, we're in a housing crisis here uh, I want to do a self-build it's almost impossible to find out all this information about how you can utilize land properly or even how you get access to it in the first place if we could make this information easier to get at, then 
you know, the self-builders of the world would be able to build all their, their own homes, and there's a lot of them. And so I heard about his mission to try and make a data platform, and, and it really resonated with me instantly. Um, being a, I was a town planner, so I, from a, on a day-to-day basis, I had to deal with, with these kind of issues. I knew how antiquated the industry was, how there was no good innovation happening. And, and I'd actually left town planning and set up my own software company. So I had a good experience of the tech side of things. And, you know, I also knew then that what he was talking about is not just for self-builders, but it's an industry-wide problem. So if we could start to fix some of these um, problems with getting access to good data, then we could really help stimulate a lot of house building. And um, we kind of went from there. I like it. I love the fact I'm such a geek when it comes to technology um, and data is so key and being able to, to have all that data at your fingertips just streamlines the process, which is what technology should be about. It should be about making life easier and connecting the dots. Um, so you spotted a couple, of, a couple of challenges. The first one was the ownership. How did you go about addressing these and pulling sort of that information into the software? Because I know that there's going to be so much back-end development and code on this that most people aren't going to understand. It'd be good to sort of talk around the challenges and the processes behind that. Okay, it's a, it's a good question, and I'll try not to get too technical <laughs> with it. Um, but it's a, it's a massive, massive challenge, and... Uh, it's the thing that we've got to do really well in order to make uh, the user's job, uh, the user's yeah, their job and their productivity levels really increase. So we, um, w- one of the data sources, for example, is uh, planning applications, and we aggregate that on a daily basis. So we bring that into our, into our system each day by having bits of code that extract it from the council websites, and. Then there's 30 different processes that it goes through before it gets displayed on Land Insight. Well, um, it needs to be cleaned because people enter it in a, in a very variety of different formats. Um, it needs to be um, benchmarked so we know we've collected all the right amount of information each day. And then it needs to be mapped and people don't put proper addresses in, so it's really difficult. We've got to use some really advanced technology for that. And it also needs to be interpreted so we use things like um, natural language processing, which is a part of um, artificial intelligence. And we use that to read the the text and then interpret what it is. And that's just one of our data sets. Uh, So for the land ownership, we've we've been quite fortunate with the timing in that land registry, uh, releasing a lot of data, Mm. making that more accessible for software developers. Um, And then we connect that up with other data sources like company's house so you can get to the ultimate owner. So it's all about collecting data, processing it, and then displaying in a really fast and easy way. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm a user of the software and I do like how easy it is. Um, and I could geek out with you about artificial intelligence, code and all that, because I am such a geek when it comes to that. And I get so excited. I'm, affi- I'm actually pulling myself back a little bit so that I don't go full-on techie geek and start getting into some real deep level stuff with you um, that will just probably just bore the rest of the listeners but me and you will have an absolute whale of a time it's fascinating stuff it really is and it's really making a big impact in the software world it's 
just amazing, isn't it? And I feel like we're only on the cusp of what is possible. And I mean, I bore my my poor girlfriend to death with <laughs> software. You know, when we're sat having tea, and I'm like, "Oh, did you have a good day? What did you do?" And she's like, yeah, not much the same, really. What did you do? And I'm like, I've automated all of these processes. And she's like, you are such a geek. What am I doing? And I'm so excited. Um, see, I'm going crazy now. Um, what did then the first sort of version of the software look like? So, um, yeah, great question. Before, <coughs> we, we had... Um, in, in a prototype version, so you know, we the way we built our company, we, we recognized that we needed to um, raise a lot of money to, yeah. before we could build it because we needed to build a team uh, of data specialists. So, we, so before we did that, we had to have a prototype, and we had to go out and prove that people were interested in that prototype. So I can clearly remember going around, going to all the company developers, and trying to show people and get some interest in what I was doing. And, and that, that at the time was a basic Google map with some land ownership parcels mm. on it and a f- planning applications in just the borough of Southwark. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's come a long way since then. Yeah. But that is the thing with technology and, and sort of software companies like this. It, you've got to, you've really, really got to get the, the most the minimum viable product and then see if people like it because I've, I've done some software development companies myself and I know that you can just the cost can just rack up and up and up and up and up before you've even got to the prototype level and it might not actually be user-friendly or something that people actually want to use what kind of feedback did those early adopters give you so even at the time so it, it took us a little while to get to that point. I have to say, you know, um, we were working very closely with the industry for a long time before we even got to knowing that those data sets seen together would be really valuable. Um, so we had lots of different iterations um, before then. Um, but when we kind of were, you know, we were listening very closely and understanding the, the pain points of our customers and um, and we got to the point of having this as an MVP or that platform as MVP, they really were very positive about it and Mm. just the fact that they could see visually on a map the land ownership parcels and the the planning on top i mean you're talking about combining three or bit four bits of software then um already and the time saving involved was huge yeah it seemed like a small very kind of insignificant product at the time but that's the great thing about um value propositions they they really can um have a massive impact and time-saving benefit to the user Hmm. that's been as a user that's been the key thing for me um is has been that that time saving especially um we're going to get on to sort of your favorite features but my favorite feature is the price per square foot uh because i can so a lot of the time what I do is I'll take a call, um, I'll be walking around Lincoln um, and I'll spot a potential site. I'll add that to Evernote or Trello or whatever. I'll come back to the office and then and check that out. And then what happens now with your software is I can just 
pull up the planning information. I can pull up the ownership information. And then I can pull up the comparables around it. So as I'm doing all of these things, my mind is going, well, it's this big. Look what's around it. So you could probably put maybe 10 houses on this site. Okay, cool. What size houses are they? Well, that one there is that size and it's sold for £200 a square foot. You can tell I'm in the north now when I'm saying £200 a square foot. And then I could just literally filter out all of the CAC and get a quick, quick answer to, is that worth me spending more time doing? And I think that's one of the things that developers struggle with initially is finding a system to be able to filter quickly and then decide whether that's, a, that's something to go on. I know that a lot of the time when I speak to people, they're like, oh, well, I spent a few hours looking at that and then it didn't actually work out because of this, this and this. And your software has sort of taken that away from me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, into, it's got a, a couple of ways of, of <coughs> where you can prospect for sites on it or you can just, for all your prospects, you can quickly get to the risks and opportunities of them very very quickly you can filter out and streamline your workflow and your um your sites that you're looking at uh, very very quickly um so you're right and i will also say that um we've got something that will help you with your bits of adding them to evernote or or whatever you're doing because we've got an app coming out very very soon that will let you just snap a photo of the site you're looking at it adds it to land insight oh man See how excited I'm getting now about another techie. Ah, oh, gosh. I'm excited to try that there. So what is your favorite feature of the software? Now, I know there might be a couple, so more than happy to hear them all, especially because one of the two of them might be a little bit geeky, and I kind of want to hear that. All right, okay. Well, you've let me off the, the leash now. Oh, yes. Um, all right, well, so... As I can, I've got different hats on when I, when I answer this question. When we first started looking at what we could build, um, land ownership was really, uh, you know, it kind of gives me teary eyes when I think back at the time of four or five, four years ago when we were thinking about this. Like land ownership was really hard to, to understand who owns what um, and how do you know where the, the edge of the land is and how do you know where the ransom strips are or how do you know, uh, who's really got a controlling interest in the site and, and who is the ultimate owner? Is this just an SPV? Yeah. All these issues that were really complicated and hard to find at the time, we've just made super easy. And so kind of the journey, that journey has been a very nice one to, to take. Um, technically, the, um, the planning applications I talked about before um, was a big challenge and, and we've got that down to a fine art. So um, by, by having a plan and employing the right people and, and seeing that evolve, it's been fantastic. Um, but I was a town planner, and um, you probably won't have seen it now, but in London, we've got planning policy. Mm. So um, knowing that you don't have to go off to all these PDFs and uh, interpret that and click about to get the right policies, and it's all just there in the right place, that to me is super super interesting um and i totally get also that uh as an investor you're looking at a property you can whip up a, a comp report see it's undervalued and then so you've got a potential site you can start investing in straight away i mean it's, it's all 
sorry, I, I'm getting a bit excited. There's, I would also say, say that uh, one bit that we've added some some kind of imagination to the products. Okay, I've talked about a lot of the data sets and how they're, they're really useful, but with our sites area and just kind of adding a site, saving it, having it in storage, and then if anything changes, getting alerts and updates, um, that could turn a site you looked at um, a year ago that wasn't viable, the planning precedent wasn't there at the time, for example, um, and then suddenly you get an alert in that's changed and you've got instant information access to that that's when it starts working for you and it's like a companion on your journey and it's getting great feedback and it was just something we had, we dreamt up and it and it really worked so i'm sorry i get you know it has there's a lot of parts that i'm uh, i'm really pleased with with the product i'm not surprised you should be very proud of it it's funny that you talk about policy when when you said that i just literally looked to my left and i have on my wall, two very large maps of the local plan and neighbouring villages. And um, they are a nightmare. They are not user-friendly at all. I mean, you've got these greyed-out squares which have random numbers on them. You have to file through, flick through the biggest file you've ever seen in your life to find the map and then delve into that and then put the key on it and then, oh, it's just a, it is a nightmare. It's quite funny actually because I remember I was on, oh, I first started with Landed Site and I, it was ages ago and then one of, you, one of your guys rang me up and they was telling me about all these amazing features and quite, I was like, nah, nah, that, that planning stuff, uh, I can have that scraped for, for whatever anyway. You know, I've got a guy who'll scrape it for me. And now it's funny that I've ended up using Land Insight because I went through all of the different things anyway, thinking, oh, this will save me time, this will save me money, and it didn't, uh, which is quite funny, really. And now I've got it all, the best, the companion. That is the best way to describe it. Uh, it is a companion. And, uh, and also the way that, do you... Are you still very driven by the customer and by the end user? Yeah, we, we always will be, absolutely. Yeah, so what? that's what I like. Uh, I'm glad you said that. So it's like always adapting to their needs. But it, it, it's, an in, it's interesting because things have slightly changed. Yeah. Uh, in that initially, we were working and we were able to get good information about problems and um, you know, challenges that they had in their day-to-day uh, work but we've solved lots of them now with the product and you know we've really kind of done what's the next bit what's the next bit and we've been driven by the product uh, by the customer but now you know we have to be a bit creative and we have to start proposing new things and uh, we still work very closely we've got customers and um, doing feedback sessions every day uh, in the office and going out to people's offices but um, now we also in a position where we we do lead the customers a little bit. Yeah. In terms of, you know, we, we come up with ideas and then we, we push them out to see if they'll, they'll work to add more value. Mm. So it's like, and that's good because you're right at the, you're on the front line. So if you spot something that a user is doing that you can make better or a little idea to connect all of that up, then that is, that is really good for me and it takes the thinking out of it. I'm very interested to, uh, for the app, that is sounds like it's going to be a really 
really cool piece of kit. So I could take, I could walk around and take a photo of a site and it would automatically be on my landing site. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and even just before then you've got an instant little summary of the site and you can get some really good information in case there's something actionable that you, you can do straight away. Oh, wow. So I'm probably going to get some very funny looks when I'm taking random pictures of sites and then stood there for five minutes on my phone delving into this information and being like, probably chuntering away to myself like, no, 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 you can't do that with it because land insight tells me I can't do that. <laughs> it's in a flood risk. So, or the planning is not there. Oh, they got rejected for planning on this site recently. Oh, that sounds good. Why did they get rejected? See how my brain is now on autopilot and off it goes. Um, so what's next for, for you and the software then, Johnny? Okay. Um, well, we're, we're full of, full of busy. Um, I'm, I'm hiring and well, I've, I've made a little inroad now, but into hiring another 20 people, um, taking us up to about 40. Uh, so that's, that's hard work because we've, we've got a high bar and, um, we want, we're trying to build a culture and a team and, um, we, we take all these things very seriously. So we want people who are the right fit for the company. Um, and, uh, what are the main challenges we've had? Okay, it's great to get exposure like that you're, you're offering us now. I really appreciate it. But people actually don't talk about our software that much. Mm. They like to keep it to themselves. Um, or, or also, perhaps, they don't, not everyone fully understands the, the value it can bring because we, we haven't been pushing that out that hard. So we're, so we're doing a lot of things like we're creating a training academy. So people come down and can get trained up quickly on how to use it and understand how to optimize it, um, as well as producing a lot of educational content so um, you can just read it in your own time. Um, at a kind of bigger level, I'm very, very keen to start to change the perception of developers. Sometimes they get a bit of a bad press. Um, we've been in talking with Sajid David, the Secretary of State for Housing, um, and talking about the problems in the industry and as well as we help what some of the work we're doing and we're really keen to start to educate the wider market about the risks and challenges of that developers have to go through and how hard it is um and to educate to, to, to speak more widely um with a voice from the industry i think is something we're keen to be very, to be part of um and we've got a few tech features that uh, uh, I can't talk too much about now, but uh, Vine, I think you'll really like them. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, some, there's a lot going on. Oh, wow. Way to leave me wanting more, hey? They're good. <laughs> Did you ever envisage that the software would be as big and as popular as it, as it is when you first started it out? Uh, that's a good question. It's, 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 uh, hadn't thought about that one before. <laughs> so absolutely you a curveball there. I think, I think I'd like to think that I did, but it, it's potentially not, nothing quite happens as you expect it. But you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you've got to convince your friends, your family, your, um, you know, your, your partner and that you're not crazy and that you're, I'm going to do something that's going to be big and it's going to work and it's going to um, lead you to the life that you want to live. Um, 
and you need to ask for time and patience to do that. Uh, and so you've got to have the faith that it's going to work, but things don't quite always go according to plan. And, you know, they go, it's not a straight journey. They go round, it goes round and round um, until suddenly it all starts happening. Mm. Uh, so I'd like to think that from the start, I had big plans for what it could do, especially having experienced a problem as a town planner myself. Um, but again, you don't quite know um, when that's going to happen. And I'd also like to say that I still think we've got a long way to go. And um, the, the impact of the product is, isn't like truly out there. We've only got about 500 customers. I think there's room to, to grow into the market a lot more. And um, so I, I still think we're only kind of at the start of our journey and we've got new ideas about what we're going to bring into the business and new product lines that we're going to launch um, to, to think that, you know, okay, it's, it's really nice to get some recognition for the hard work we've done so far, but we've, we've got a long way to go. Mm. And what did, what did the people closest to you say when you, you know, you sat them down and said, I'm going to do this piece of software? <laughs> um, You're laughing because you could clearly remember sitting somebody down and their reaction. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, came on, I came out of this on the back of quite a rough entrepreneurial journey um, through, the, through the global recession, through a technology change that wiped out software and put everything into apps. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a hard journey. So I was kind of, I, there was a lot of kind of skepticism, disbelief, um, but also, you know, when you really got to do something and you just, nothing's going to hold you back, that really shines through and no one would ever want to stop someone from achieving their dreams. So, yeah, uh, for, fortunately it worked at this time. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was quite tough at times to get people on board. Yeah, I think we've, everybody listening and myself included have all been through that um, and had those conversations, you know, where you are so passionate about something and the person you're telling is just like, nah, go away. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, this is, this is it. This is like the world changing idea. You know, I am the next Mark Zuckerberg. Why do you not believe me? Uh, it's always a fun, a fun thing now. It's got to a point now where Sarah, my girlfriend, she's just like, she doesn't even question it anymore. At the weekend, I was like, I think I was cooking tea, and I was like, Sarah, I've had this idea, and I'm going to do it. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I can't find a reason why not to do it, so I'm going to do it. And she's just like, yeah, okay, cool, have fun. Um, which is, is quite fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's good to have the support of people who are closest to you, that, that you just go and have some fun. Yeah. I mean, I've got a chartered accountant partner there. She is. So, I mean, up, way opposite ends of the spectrum. But you know what? I need that. I need that person to just go, okay, I am not that I'm not sensible, but I am the very sensible one in this relationship. So I will just pull you back down if needed. Um, I've got your back 100%, but I will just pull you back down if needed. 
Well, there's an important lesson there in that it's all about teams. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, you definitely want to work with people who, who contrast with you. Hmm. Sounds like you've done very well at picking the right people as well around you. Yeah, um, to be fair, we, we've got 20 people now. We haven't had anybody leave. Wow. And we're very happy with everyone. And, and that's because uh, we, you know, we worked out who we are, like, what our values were as a company, and um, what the mission was in terms of trying to enable people to build more homes and, um, and also working with a, an interesting tech stack for the, for the techies. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we, have, we have done well. And I think it all boils back to some of the fundamentals about what you're doing and the kind of company that you want to create and, and what kind of work and environment will be and you know, how much you're going to invest into that. Yeah. That's been a, not just with, with you on this podcast, but pretty much everybody who's been on who's been very successful have all clearly identified their, their mission and their values. And then because of that, literally the instant that they did that, they started to attract more people of the same elk. So it was like, it's just natural for them then to have people gravitate towards them and it seems like that's you've done a very good job of of getting your mission right and then attracting the right people yeah yeah i mean the the team and the the culture we've built is is actually the thing i'm most proud of Hmm. wow i could imagine that you'd be very good to work for because you have you do have a very calm nature Uh, you know what what you want to do you know the mission and you know that you need the team to do that and you are a team player that is very clear um it's probably one of the reasons why it's been so successful uh i wouldn't i would i'm I'm a bad person to judge that typical entrepreneur though you tell someone that's why it's been successful nobody uh with the right values then goes oh yeah i know thank you um it's we're always striving always it's in our dna it's in our our brain every part of our being is always striving well that's me anyway i don't know about you but i'm always striving to be better all of the time always always what is the next thing i don't know what's the what's going to happen next how can i learn more did i do that right could i have done that better it's a constant curse isn't it <laughs> yeah you are your own worst enemy we are i mean i'm that guy who I don't lay on beaches very often because of my pale complexion, but I am that person that would be laying on a beach going, do you know what? This beach needs a jet ski rental or this, or the way that they're doing that cafe over there, they could, they're not answering my problem. Um, that's the way my brain works. But anyway, I have got to the big three questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. I think. Number one. When you think of the word successful, who is the first person who comes to mind and why? Okay. Um, well, I'm, you, you probably hear this before, but I have to say it's Elon Musk. Yeah. So um, what really inspires me about him is the fact that he's trying to solve important problems. Mm. He, he's, you know, he's, he's, He's trying to reduce reliance on fossil fuels 
and he's trying to um, help people move around more easily. And um, I just think that you know his he he he's 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 risked it all. He's had a lot of money and he's risked it all in trying to make his projects work. And the things that in five or ten years time we're going to impact everybody mm. and you could also kind of say i mean in the same way okay a bit easier for him right now but bill gates is is what he's doing with his charity work is just phenomenal um i will round that off by saying something that i hold very close to my heart is also the exact opposite which is newcastle united they're the least, least successful thing i can think of oh yes I do feel for Newcastle fans, though. We, 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 need, we need that sympathy. It's hard. It's hard work being a Newcastle fan. It's, it's very, very difficult. I do agree with you on the, the Elon Musk thing. and I've, We're doing a development in a village at the minute, and it's, we are actually looking at the solar tiles that Elon Musk has just started bringing to the UK. They are absolutely incredible. And I think well, a lot of people think with these kind of products that they're so expensive, his whole ethos is, like you say, solving important problems, but making them accessible for everybody. So the solar, it's actually, will probably work out slightly less money than a normal roof, but you'll have solar panels on your, in your tiles and they won't even look like big clunky solar panels. I think it's amazing. He's an incredible guy. Amazing. So question number two, what is the book that has had the biggest impact on you? <laughs> okay. It's, it's, I, ha I have to say it. It's probably not what you, you would expect. Um, but I'll, I'm going to call it the Hobbit. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and that's because it had a kind of pivotal <coughs> impact on my direction of travel in terms of kind of drifting along um, not really caring about much, but really getting engaged into a story and um, just wanting to spend all my time reading. And that, and that journey of reading and turned into a journey of learning and, and the kind of breadth of um, things I've now learned about um, from books. Uh, you know, you can just choose whatever you want to learn about. Um, and, and it's not just about reading fiction books, it's about, you, you know, reading about the world and understanding um, this, the thing that's compelled someone to, to, to write a book because it's worth writing about. And um, so, okay, it wasn't potentially the book that, I mean, it definitely wasn't the book that gave me my most, the most knowledge. It's just, it was most, um, in terms of the, the question, it had the biggest impact on me. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would say a different book had a, a very useful uh, impact on me in terms of my career, if you want to call it a career, um, mm. and that's Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore. Crossing the Chasm. And, uh, and that's about launching, in particular, technology products and um, how, you, um, you know, how you do the lean startup and how you look at your users in terms of how you categorize them in terms of the early adopters and the innovators and the, the mass markets, and you think about um, what messages need to go out to different people at different times and how you move around that, 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 the marketplace. 
Wow. So regular listeners will know that when I pop this podcast up on all of the social medias, if you share the link to the podcast, you automatically get entered into the competition for that month. And what can you win? You can win a copy of every book from that month that the people who I've interviewed have said have had the biggest impact on them. Um, Laura Malockney won last month. Um, so she has got a whole host of books. Um, the last question then is, what is the worst advice that you see or hear in the property world? Oh, okay. I think that for me, I hear this a lot and it, and it always kind of makes me cringe is that you need to try and build a personal brand online. And I do think there's a lot of value in doing that if you're the, someone who wants to do that. But I don't think that you should shoehorn yourself into some kind of social media platform because you think that that's what you need to do because people are telling you to do it. Mm. Um, I really, truly just believe that you should be authentic and you should be part of communities and you should contribute to that community in a, in a way that is best for you and best for, for the people around you. And, and over time, your reputation and your skill or your, what you bring will grow. And um, I think that's more powerful than just trying to kind of shoehorn it in. Mm. Yes, you're talking to a, a marketer, brand builder, as well but i i think that a lot of the time in in this world that you're told to do do stuff on social media but for me social media isn't it isn't the be all and end all it's i would prefer to and i do i have all of my content on my actual website so i use the social media to point to the content the the good stuff is on my is on my own website because i don't think it's I think it's the best place to put it instead of on Instagram, on Facebook, where it's not, that could be lost at any time where the website is mine. And then I can hopefully answer people's questions via the website and solve their problems. Look, uh, look and, you, and you've done it really well and it's really got a following. Um, I just think there's a bit too much kind of almost like, I don't know, quasi thought leadership, but like yeah. this actually goes back to that that book I was talking about. A lot of the platforms now, Twitter and, and Facebook, are kind of behind the curve in terms of their, you, you know, how how mature they are. They're not early stage products; they're late stage products. And and a lot of people have come on and left, or the and now I, I just think that that kind of whole understanding of the platforms and their evolution needs to be given alongside just saying you need to be part of this platform yeah i could not agree with you more on that as well especially with the way that they're changing all the time nobody knows that's what i've got a friend who has a a, a business based on one of the social medias and literally overnight that whole business was was gone because of the they changed one thing and that altered everything for him um, yeah, they have massive control. Just way too much. Way too much. Um, you have been an absolute legend. Thank you for coming on. If people do want to contact you, where can 
they they get you just before i let you tell those people though uh, johnny has been absolutely fantastic um and a bit a huge huge help to me and he has said that if any listener wants an extended trial and a demo then if you get in touch with me then i can sort that out for you um so absolute big thanks to you for that johnny i think all listeners will get a hell of a lot out of that um, and will save so much time um so yeah if you want if you want that, then if you drop me an email or I know Johnny hates social media, but if you get in touch with me on social media, um, then I'll, I'll sort that out. So Johnny, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, no, don't get me wrong. I fell for it. I'm on, I'm on Twitter trying to bring, build a personal brand. <laughs> uh, um, I am, I am on Twitter and I will, will try and engage when I've got the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, We'll we'll be at MIPIM coming up. If anyone's going to be there, it's not it's not for everyone. Um, we, I attend the, the training sessions that we run uh, in our in our building, so you can meet me in person if that's of interest. Um, oh, I'm, I'm I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, so uh, I'm just Johnny Britton on on LinkedIn. And that's it, really. Yeah, cool. I'm sure. Uh, hopefully, some people will uh, will get in touch with you have you been using twitter more recently it seems to have this resurgence in the business world now i i do use it i mean i i do like it because you can you know follow people of who, who are doing things that you're genuinely interested in mm. um I, I can't say i engage too much um with it because purely for, from a time perspective yeah. um, but I, I just kind of like it is it's a bit of a habit really go on and see what's going on yeah yeah i'm actually preferring it to to most of them now um johnny thank you for for coming on and sharing your your story and what you've learned and what you've what you've created i think it's it's been very inspirational and uh if i didn't let you go now i will just geek out with you about technology um well thanks very much ryan i really appreciate it